Hey, listen, welcome to the Hey, Listen Games Cast. This is episode 63. Episode 63? Am I supposed to say something? We're here. <laughs> we are here. Joining me to the left, the one, the only, the challenger in today's matchup, Nathan Wagner. I'm sorry, I do not have as beautiful as an announcing voice as the <laughs> Jeffrey Morse over here, so I will just be hurting your ears a little bit tonight. Sorry about that. I was trying to do my best finding game announcer boys because on today's show we're going to be talking all about the history of fighting video games and I did a did a bit of research uh, and it's uh, going to be a fun segment. We're going to break down kind of, you know, the very first big fighting games all the way on kind of to more modern stuff. So it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Should we get? This is a segment we haven't done in a while. I've, I've done so, a couple history yeah. lessons on the show. We've done that. History of Naughty Dog, history of Donkey Kong, history of 3D Mario games. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Sadly, Rob Douglas is not going to be able to join us because he is feeling under the weather. So, uh, feel better, Rob. Um, Jaeger, shout out to you down in the, ch- down in the chat. In the uh, chat. G- good to see you. As always, you can join us live here on Spreaker.com. You can find a live link to the show, as always, on our Twitter, at HeyListen underscore games. So... Uh, before we jump into our history lesson for today, um, I thought it would be appropriate to kind of break down a couple news pieces. Um, in this first news piece, I think it is hilarious because, um, as you guys know, Fortnite is a free-to-play game. Um, I believe it's made by Epic Games, and it's kind of a free-to-play uh, horde horde mode type game. Um, it's going to go officially free-to-play next year. Right now, it's kind of like a you have to purchase like a $30 founder pack to play type thing. Um, But it seems like it's a pretty solid game. And anyways, the news comes because crossplay was accidentally enabled uh, for Fortnite. So Xbox One users were playing against and with, uh, in this co-op mode, uh, with PS4 users. So like for an entire night, um, many, many hours, there was crossplay between the two systems. There was a photo that got tweeted of a dad who set up his Xbox One and his PS4 and it you know, showed both players' screens and they were literally in the same game playing together, um, which is hilarious. It's been disabled since then. They put out a statement saying, yeah, sorry, we had crossplay enabled. That was an accident. We didn't mean to do that. And uh, Microsoft immediately jumped in and said, oh, we thought that was great. Oh, it's such, so good to see ecosystems working together. Look how well that worked. And Sony has quickly said, no, we don't support crossplay. We're still, <laughs> no, don't get your hopes up. We did not approve this. This is not something uh, we at Sony want to do. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, it, it seems like crossplay literally, I mean, I'm sure it's not the case with every game, but it seems like it's literally just they need to push a button to say, allow Xbox to play with PlayStation. Like, it seems like it's a very simple thing for yeah, like, to do. Yeah, like, I mean, the fact that they accidentally had it on and had it on and working for an entire night makes it sound like it It is. wasn't one game. Like, yeah. It was like, an entire... An entire, like, it's probably 12 hours or 8 hours or whatever it was. And the fact that that happens, it makes kind of all of us... Because I think a lot of us thought, not only is the it hard because you have to get two separate companies who are rivals to work together, but also just the fact that, you know, these um, places have different ecosystems. It might be really hard to make them communicate with each other, etc. Yeah. Like... All of that stuff, to me, um, it's like as a non-developer, and all sounds that. like a technical nightmare. But apparently, uh, <laughs> it's a lot easier easier than we thought. Um, sadly, as you know, as we know, um, you know, Sony is, Sony's in the lead. Has they don't sold need to double really the amount of consoles as compared to Microsoft. So they're like, well, half of the reason to get a PS4 is so that you can play with your friends, and you can only play with them on PlayStation. So yep. I don't think they're going to be changing their tune anytime Me soon. Me either. And, like, it's even funny because Nintendo's even, like, been pretty open to crossplay now with, you know, Minecraft on the Switch getting the Better Together update. And they just announced that, like, a Halo-themed skin pack is coming out on the Switch. So, like, you'll be able to play as Master Chief on your Nintendo <laughs> Switch in a way. Like, it, you know, with Minecraft. But um, they're having that, but it's not coming to PlayStation because they don't have that update. And they don't yeah. like other ecosystems. So, yeah. um, interesting. Interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, just, I wonder if this will happen more like when Rocket League comes out on Switch and stuff. Like, we're going to see more accidental crossplay between PS4 and not. Yeah. Um, but uh, our next news piece, uh, NES Golf, um, my dad's personal favorite game of, like, all time. <laughs> he loves this game. Um, it was found uh, by a couple of hackers a few months ago that 
there's kind of a hidden emulator running on the Nintendo Switch from like day one. Um, and the emulator software was titled Flog. And people didn't realize it at the time, but it actually has the code for NES Golf hidden inside of the Switch. So literally there's a working NES game that can be run in an emulator that can work on the Switch from day one that runs NES Golf, like runs an old Nintendo game. And so uh, there's a couple of hackers who supposedly found a way to access and get it working, but it looks like it's actually remade. Like it uses, it can use Joy-Con motion controls and can support. Oh, it can use motion controls? Yeah. I did not hear that. Well, that, that's what the screenshots are looking like. It looks like you have the option to choose button or motion controls. It can supports two players, you know, on the Switch, which, you know, is an awesome thing. I, when Virtual Console does come, you know, so many of those old NES, Super NES games were built to do co-op or two players. And, you know, you have the two controllers on the system. Um, and so, I don't know, I think this might be a thing that when Virtual Console does go live, maybe they're like, hey, Virtual Console's live, golf is already on your system, go ahead and check it out to kind of whet your appetite for more NES games. It's either something like that or just some random programmer said, hey, let's throw this in there and we forgot to take it out when the Switch came out. But I don't I, know. I would be, I mean, I know that does happen sometimes, but I feel like the fact that it's in, it's an entire system and not just a random game, I feel like they would have very carefully vetted and checked all of their systems and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think it is probably has something to do with the fact with maybe virtual console and they're like, Hey, this free NES golf game, everyone can have it for free. We'll yeah. just unlock it for you basically. Yeah. I, I mean, and that, that's crazy that, I mean, the switch has been out for what? Six, six months, months now. Over six and, months. Yeah. You know, they discovered this um, emulator, what, two or three months ago or something like that. A few like months that. ago, but they couldn't yeah. get it running. And they finally were able to get it running six months. So it must be, Pretty coded, I don't know, pretty coded yeah, yeah. there. I'm, I'm not a game maker. I, so. I saw a, a shaky cam video of a guy supposedly playing it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, kind of skeptical that if it was the actual one or not. But there, there is like the icon in the bottom left hand corner that shows like the Joy-Cons and stuff. So like it's not just an exact port, you know, from the old NES ROM. Yeah. It is, you know, a rework and they did add in some go in stuff, there and do some stuff to the code. Uh, and... Which they, you know, lines up with what Nintendo said. They're... Remaking so, these games with online and stuff. NES Golf. Did this game... That seems kind of random to me. Like, why would they choose that instead of something else? Did any any I, ideas or clarification on that? Did my, that game even come out on Virtual Console? It did come originally on Virtual Console. I had okay. it on my Wii U. I played with my dad, dad a lot. Um, my guess to why it's NES Golf is it's a very easy, casual-to-play NES game. And so you can play it in very short bursts. It's fun with the multiplayer um and it's a game that i think while it is fun it's not a game most people are probably going to buy <clears throat> so they're gonna get, they're not gonna give you super mario bros they know everyone's gonna buy super mario bros for the 15th time so i think that's what it is they they know most people aren't gonna actually buy it but it's a good easy free game that's not like sure one that's sure. gonna guarantee them tons of money that can introduce so maybe the reason the virtual console is taking so long is they're reworking some of these games to have specific joy-con controls or something like yeah, that yeah i like, mean if if it really does have motion controls like i mean that's another reason why golf could have been a good choice you know obviously the wii sports golf yep was a very big hit for them so i don't know uh, stay tuned well maybe maybe uh we'll hear some more about it now that they're there's some arcade games coming out to Switch, um, which brings us to the Nintendo Direct. Um, there's a Direct this last week. We're not going to cover all the news of the Direct because there were so many announcements. Like Nintendo, with these new Directs, they're announcing new things like every 30 seconds. It's like crazy. Like, I really like, other than the Xenoblade part, which I had to fast forward, that was like 15 minutes, way too long in my opinion. It was opinion. very long. Sorry for all you Xenoblade fans out there, but I don't think that game is going to sell to people who aren't already into that franchise or into that there's a certain of niche game. of people that really enjoy that game, and I'm glad it's out there for them. Look at you, Mr. Brad Powell. <laughs> but, like, I don't but, see why they have to spend 15 yeah, minutes on Direct where that's not going to sell it They're not going to sell it to people who aren't into that already. Yeah, maybe. well, like, if there was, like, a new Mario game, like Mario vs. Rabbit, showing footage of that made sense because people were skeptical of that, and it obviously won over a lot of people. But, anyways... Um, one of the biggest announcements, uh, Bethesda came out and announced out of nowhere that uh, Doom, one of the most popular first-person shooters from last year, uh, very highly acclaimed, is coming to Switch this holiday. And Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, is also going to be coming out on the Switch early uh, next year. Early next year, the uh, game releases on PS4 and Xbox One on October 27th, the yeah. same day as Mario. Same day as Mario. So yeah. <laughs> even if they did want to release on Switch, that would be stupid to put it out that day. Like, no yes. one would buy it. Yes. Um, and for me, like, 
I wasn't interested in Wolfenstein, but like I kind of looked at it a little bit closer. And I think a lot of other people will as well, knowing that hey, I have this awesome, brutal game where I'm killing zombies that I can play in my lunch break now. Like, yeah, you know, having it, having it portable, I think definitely will expand its audience a little bit. So I know last week, I, the HD era, they definitely stayed away from Nintendo. They did a couple older games yeah. back in the, before the 2000s, I believe. Well, I mean, one of the things this says to me is that it is possible for third parties to kind of be able to downgrade their games somewhat to be able to get them working on the Switch. I mean, they showed... Mm-hmm. I think a little tiny snippet of Doom, and I saw a comparison kind of uh, screenshot. And definitely the detail wasn't quite as good, um, but it still did look pretty good. And don't be comparable. Pers- it doesn't look like it's a downgrade. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't look like it's like it wasn't like the Wii compared to the Xbox 360. Or yes, exactly. Like that. So um, it definitely looks like it'll run fine. I'm sure once you get it on that screen, like I'm okay sacking a little bit of visual quality to have the game portable for sure. Um, but that was pretty surprising. What were some of your favorite announcements from the direct? Um, hmm. I mean, that was that was kind of the big shocker one for me. Um, I think the one that got me most excited, and it wasn't even really an announcement, was just them showing off more footage of Mario Odyssey. Uh, looks that, so amazing. That game looks so amazing. Uh, they showed like what two new worlds? Uh, but we'll have to see. I think this does kind of signal that Nintendo really has switched over their focus, switched. To the Switch. Ah. Um, because it would seem like a game where they're like, oh, we can kind of put this together, make it pretty easily, mm. and put it out for the 3DS. They're doing that remake of uh, Mario and Luigi. That's yeah, the Superstar Saga, well. so Bowser's Minions. The, it's the beginning of the end for the 3DS. Most lot, definitely. A lot, of, a lot of remakes and easier games. Um, yeah, really the only announcement I wanted to mention was uh, arcade classics are coming to the Switch. Um, and this is just cool because Nintendo has never really officially re-released any of their old arcade games before um and so you know you have the original mario bros that had um, some cool animations that weren't in the nes ports there were some different difficulties and just ways the physics worked um mario bros versus the original punch out game is totally different than the original punch out for nes is it really different because it's very different i mean i know there's wireframe mac yeah my my local uh my local game a used game store uh they they have one and I, I probably spent a couple bucks on it. I just kept going back every time, you know, putting some more quarters in. And it has two screens, so it's like an early DS idea almost. Okay. The top screen, it's, it's basically if you played the, the Punch-Out level in Smash Bros. for Wii U, it looks like that. It has both fighters' logos. It has, like, their names. It has their health. It has kind of all your information up there, while the bottom screen is, like, the actual action. And so cool. you have Wireframe Mac. You have these really, really huge uh, polygonal fighters. fighters. It's a very, very like close-up view, um, more similar to Super Punch-Out rather than Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Um, and just the way the game works, it has this really cool uh, mechanic where anytime you get a knockout, there's a literal like hammer inside the cabinet that will like make this really sharp like noise. So it sounds like something literally hit <laughs> like the mat. It's really, really cool. Like uh, there's not a lot of games, you know. Neat. cabinets that have done cool features like that yeah. and so it just it's just kind of cool um I, it's awesome that we're seeing these get kind of virtually you know recreated and uh we're not just losing them forever but i mean the elephant in the room is where the heck is donkey kong arcade like they the did biggest nintendo arcade game of all time exactly like that is the nintendo arcade game and the arcade version is the best version it has features and levels that aren't in you know the nes ports that they've re-released so um, I mean, I would assume it would come out at some point, but they've announced, uh, you know, Ice Climbers, Land, all these obscure ones, but not Donkey Kong. So I don't know. We'll see. But I think the first one actually comes out um, next week. The original Mario Bros. Arcade comes out next week on Switch. So this is kind of the start to Virtual Console on the Switch. I mean, not the Virtual yeah, Console we not, asked for. No. But <laughs> Hopefully this is kind of the start. And then I, I'm thinking probably early next year is when we'll actually start to see Virtual Console once kind of the holiday is over, more people have Switches, mm-hmm. and there's not quite as many games coming out for it, um, that seems like it would be a good time. Yeah. Uh, I'm holding out for the uh, arcade version of uh, Popeye, made by Nintendo. Ooh, there things. you go. One of Miyamoto's first projects. Exactly, right there. exactly. Um, great. Um, so the, the only other thing we wanted to mention really quickly, um, TGS is happening, I believe, right now. Um, Tokyo but, Game Show. Uh, Sony had their press conference... Earlier today. Earlier today, like last Japan night, time. maybe. Japan <laughs> time. It's weird in the, in the West. But uh, 
Um, they kind of announced a bunch, didn't announce a whole ton of things. Um, they had some trailers for different games that had already been announced and provided some more information. Um, but the biggest thing I saw was the Monster Hunter World, um, which is only on PS4. It's kind of the new, more Western-focused game that's a lot bigger, and I think they're trying to bring in the Western audience instead of just the Japanese players um, into the franchise. And they announced that that game is going to be coming out in January of 2018. Um, Which for a big Sony exclusive, that is soon. Like, yes. <laughs> that it, is very, this game was just announced officially at E3. So that's like, what, six, seven months from announcement to release. That doesn't happen uh, very often at a yeah, Sony exactly. conference. <laughs> uh, this is made by Capcom. And it reminds me a little bit of, I think Resident Evil 7 came out last year in January. Oh, and yeah, that's it was, right. I think it was also announced at E3 like a couple, seven, six, seven months before. Teen Bruce Lee. Which I think is kind of cool. <laughs> you know, today, we think of fighting games, they draw things from other fighting games and other things, but literally he was drawing it from the man himself. Wow, um, that is pretty cool. I mean, I guess you got it from somewhere when there's really no other fighting games. Yeah, and, you know, this game was cool because it introduced, it had 18 different moves that you could do. So this is 1985, one of the first fighting games ever. There was 18 different moves that you could do in this fighting game where, you know, most video games at this point are like, one button is to jump, one button is to kick or to punch. Yep. He has 18 different moves that uh, they were able to put into this game. It introduced blocking, um, attacking, and counterattacking, which have pretty much been a staple of every you know fighting video game since. Finding yep. the right time to block and when you should counterattack. Um, and this was developed by Beam Software. And the funny thing, I did a little research here. It was actually developed in the red light district of Melbourne, Australia. And so, like... There was this little tiny studio that was right between, like, all these brothels. And, like, here's this guy making this little fighting game that's like, takes place in tranquil Japan. It's, like, beautiful landscapes. <laughs> and he's just developing in this really kind of odd environment, which that's I thought crazy. was funny. But did, this, did this game, like, actually do well? Did it sell at all? Did people... It did. It did. It, did it, sold, it sold well, and it kind of, I think, started sparking some other kind of lookalike and clone games. Okay. Um, and basically, Konami started developing a few games um after this to kind of compete and kind of get in on that market because they but, saw that it was popular yeah so not made by a japanese developer made by someone in australia living in australia melbourne australia in i the feel Red like was <laughs> very rare at that time in 19 yeah it was either like atari or some somewhere in japan exactly so um that, i thought this that was interesting that's where kind of fighting games really really started and obviously fighting games are one of the biggest genres um still today and uh, that, that's kind of where it got its humble, humble origins. Um, after that, two years later, a name you may be familiar with, 1987, the original Street Fighter uh, was released. And the original Street Fighter wasn't really the best game. We're not going to look back on the original Street Fighter and say, man, that game is so sick, let's go back and play it. Like, that's Street Fighter 2, not the original one. Yes. Um, and the original Street Fighter has an interesting story as well because uh, Yoshiki Okamoto, who was a graphic artist... Um, he was in high school uh, back in 1983, and when he was a high school senior, he was hired by Konami, excuse me, that was 1982, um, he was hired by Konami to make uh, Time Pilot and a few other games, like arcade games, and he didn't, he didn't really like video games personally, he was just like an artist, and they hired him, and he came up with these great ideas for these games, and these games sold really, really well for Konami, and they were huge hits in the arcades. And so here's this kid, you know, fresh out of high school, doesn't have any money. He asks for a raise at Konami, and they just, boom, can him, fire him, just like that. And So Konami has always been terrible to work for, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, uh, they have a history. They have a history. <laughs> what he basically introduced in the original Street Fighter was um, there were special, move for, special moves for each character. You know, back, <laughs> didn't have a very fast FP like frames per second. It just had some lot of technical issues where yeah. there's a lot of good ideas and concepts, but it just wasn't smooth. And this game was only released in the arcades, right? Yes, it was arcades in it. Okay. It sold really well in arcades. And obviously right after that, they Capcom said, all right, dude, you got to start working on a sequel. We want you know, you'd improve on what you did before. And so, enter a punch that was unblockable by the enemy. So, you know, if you land that first punch and you hit the second button at the right time, you can land multiple punches leading to combos. Good in the game is kind of a fun secret. And thus, combos is born in fighting games. And every fighting game since has had combos, you know, as a big part um, of their gameplay. And so, you know, obviously, you can probably look up any 
Street Fighter or really any fighting game highlight reel on YouTube of competitive tournaments. And all the craziest moves are like these huge combos where they just go bam, 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 leading to a KO. Um, and so that's really where the combo got started was in Street Fighter 2. Um, you know, if you've seen anyone um, or if you've ever played Street Fighter, you know the language of those inputs. Like yeah. that's how influential Street Fighter 2 is. Well, everyone remembers so how to do a Hadouken. The same, yeah, so many different games use the same system for putting those inputs in, mm-hmm. where it's a down and over and then a B or whatever it might be. Exactly. And so Street Fighter 2 is really that game, and it still holds up really well today. Many of the mechanics are still used in modern Street Fighter games today as well as many other fighting games. So Street Fighter 2 is still kind of that, that pinnacle where, where I think it really, really got competitive. They started remaking the arcade booths to make versus booths. Um, a Japanese arcade said, hey, we were able to kind of, you know, mod together two of the systems to play against so each can... other. And it was back-to-back instead of side-by-side because in Japan there's a lot of players who were just shy and didn't want to, like, you know, cozy up elbow-to-elbow with someone. And so yeah. they could fight each other from the other side. And that became huge. And so they started just manufacturing those versus cabinets and putting them all over the place, and they blew up. Um, especially just kind of the thrill of knowing that, you know, on the other side, there's this legendary Ken player who's beating everyone in line. <laughs> I don't know who he is, but I'm going to, you know, go in. It's almost kind of like an early form of online play. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. That's awesome. When did the, uh, do you know when the console ports came out? Of... Um, they came out the next year, 1992. Next year. Okay. Um, and so came out on Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. And uh, pretty much the same thing as the arcade versions. They both felt really good. And obviously ever since then street fighter 2 has been iterated on like 40 times they've added new so characters new speeds online modes you know even just came to the switch this year um and so that that is a great game and you know we could talk all day about it but let's let's move forward uh 1992 not only did street fighter come to consoles there's a little game called mortal kombat that came out and obviously when you think of mortal kombat you think of one word and that word is blood <laughs> It brought violence into fighting games and really a lot of video games in general where there was kind of this bad reputation that video games kind of already had of being bad for kids. And then here we have this game that's all about blood and making your opponent, you know, be dismembered and <laughs> squirt blood everywhere. Um, and that was the whole idea. This was really the first American fighting game that really sold well. This was made by Midway. And, you know, Capcom and all these Konami, these companies had all been leading kind of the charge on the fighting games. And a couple of guys in America said, hey, dude, let's make a fighting game kind of like that, but with blood. There's no no gore. Um, and they used, you know, the realized, realistic graphics. They took real-life photos of actors and kind of, you know, pasted them into digitized, digitized version onto the screens, which kind of gave it a unique visual style. And, I mean, when you look at it now, like, it definitely has kind of this trademark, like, jagged movements almost yeah. where it's like, yeah. oh, like kind of awkward because you can tell there's different photos that they had to piece together. Um, but Mortal Kombat really added a lot to the console wars as well, because as everyone knows, the Sega Genesis version had the blood that the arcade did in some gore and add in some violence and that'll, you know, that'll kind of shock people. And because of that shock, it'll get kind of a lot of coverage and public attention and stuff like that. And then if we make a pretty good game, which I think Mortal Kombat, it was a decent fighting game. It wasn't the best game fighting game, but it was pretty good. Um, it just got really popular and kind of started that franchise off. So yeah. Props to them, even though I, I'm not a huge fan of all the lore. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in that game, that series got really stale. Like, the couple sequels were pretty much the same thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then they kind of reinvented it, I think, in around 2010 with just like, Mortal Kombat. And then there's a new version out now called Mortal Kombat X. It's just a really, really solid fighter. It's very, very competitive. It's got really good uh, mechanics and stuff. And then, obviously, that team also went on to make the Injustice games, which are also very popular now as well. Um, but moving on, after 1991 and 1992, comes 1993, where uh, two big fighting games came out. The first one, just want to give a quick shout-out to, titled Samurai Showdown. Um, and the interesting thing about Samurai Showdown was, instead of really focusing on combos, you know, hitting your enemy into multiple hit combos like every game after Street Fighter Two was doing, um, it was really focused on timing one or two hits. It still was fast, the art style looked similar to to uh, the original um, Street Fighter 2 and stuff. But you really, you're just trying to do one or two very powerful blows with these long katanas against your enemy. Um, it was one of the first popular weapon-based fighters, so you're not fighting just with your fists, but you're really fighting with swords and different cool 
um, weapons. And it kind of introduced the idea of unblockable attacks as well. Um, you know, no matter how sick your combo is in Street Fighter, if you hold back, you're not going to be able to hit me for the most part. Um, and so I had this idea where you can power up your character, do special moves where they're unblockable. And it also mapped the block button to a button, which was kind of the first time that that had really been done. You know, ever since Street Fighter, just holding back has been blocking in most fighting games. And, you know, there's plenty of fighting games now from Soul Calibur to Smash Bros that all have, you know, blocking mapped to a button, um, instead. And so that was Samurai Showdown. Um, and then Virtua Fighter came out in 1993, which... You know, it was the first real full 3D fighting game. Um, it was made by Yu Suzuki, who worked at Sega, and he made Afterburner 2, Outrun, Space Harrier, all these popular games. And he wanted to try something completely different. Like, he had never made a fighting game before, which... That's crazy. It's super crazy. Like, he compared himself to Miyamoto, and he's like, you know, Miyamoto, he gets this great idea. He just wants to keep going deeper and deeper. Like, every Mario game, it gets more and more complex and deeper into what, like, what makes Mario fun. I don't like going deeper. I just like trying an idea, then going in and trying something completely different. <laughs> and that's what he did with Virtua Fighter. He made this 3D fighting game. It took the six-button fighting game formula, shrunk it down to three. You had your jump, punch, and kick. I made it very accessible for anyone to play. It's blocky kind of 3D models are kind of, like, iconic now. Like, yeah. If you look back, it looks super, like, super rough. But uh, back then, like, it was... I remember seeing Virtua Fighter for the first time and just being amazed by, like, how can they do this? Like, there's no way they'll ever be able to harness this graphic... Was it this graphic com- technology and put it into consoles? <laughs> it was an arcade game, right? Yeah, it was in the okay. arcades. Um, it, it did get ported to the, PlayStation later. What was the perspective but... of it? Was it like kind of behind the shoulder? Do you know or? Uh, no, it, it was still kind of side by side, but you were in like a three D arena. So okay. think kind of like Soul Calibur if you've played that. Yeah, it's a three D fighting arena like that, and uh, it was pretty cool because it was very accessible. You know, if you walked in to play Street Fighter Two at an arcade back in the nineties, you were probably going to get your butt handed to you because people have all the manual inputs for all the different special moves and they know the combos and the timing for the frames but virtual fighter was a lot more simplistic and it slowed everything down it made you focus a little bit more on um just you know really making sure you're hitting your punches and your kicks rather than um you know hitting combos and special inputs sounds like the fighting game for me yeah and (laughs) no that's really where Soul Calibur and Tekken and a lot of other 3D flat fighters kind of got um, their inspiration from was the original Virtua Fighter. Neat. Um, moving on, 1995, Killer Instinct uh, is released, and this is the game that takes over arcades. It dethrones Street Fighter 2, dethrones Mortal Kombat. This is a rare Nintendo um, uh, crossover. They partnered to make this arcade game, and it kind of ruled the arcades in the mid-'90s. Um, in this series kind of used the similar to Mortal Kombat style where it was kind of the realistic 3 3Ds, 2D sprites. Um, if you've played, you know, Donkey Kong Country and some of those rare, rare games, you know how they can make those 3D models, kind of port them into, you know, 2D, 2D. type games. Um, and this game is great because it introduced fighting games to the over-the-top announcer, <laughs> which has been in so many fighting games since then with just maximum combo and combo breaker and all, all those you know classic lines that you just expect to be in fighting games that was really kind of introduced in killer instinct and um one thing that i thought was interesting about killer instinct was it really allowed you to kind of taunt and show off to your opponent um for example if you were doing like a crazy combo and your health your opponent's health uh you know gets completely depleted and they're ko'd you can keep on comboing and going for like another five, ten seconds if you know all the inputs and just keep on fighting them. And they're just like, really? I'm already dead. You could stop punching. But you can just keep on punching on their, you know, KO'd body, which really kind of gave you the opportunity to really taunt and flourish yeah. <laughs> when wow. you're playing people, which I thought was kind of hilarious at the time. I did not realize that. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. And so, you know, that was that was really what Killer Instinct added to fighting games was the, you know, the announcing and doing those crazy combos. Um, and then 1997, Bushido Blade is released, and uh, this is um, also came to the original PlayStation. And was it? In, I thought it was only on PlayStation. It was also in arcades. Yeah, it was in arcades as well. Okay. I believe. Um, I'm pretty sure it was in arcades as well. I'm sure you know more than me. Yeah, <laughs> but think like Samurai Showdown. You know, you have these Japanese samurai type characters, but it was a lot slower, and it was in 3D, and so almost kind of looked like Virtual Fighter. It had these 3D arenas. 
And you were very, very slow. So it was almost more like a game of fencing. It was like a calculated, kind of a strate- very strategic game. Yeah, very strategic where, you know, they made it realistic where, like, you know, if you're in a fight with a guy with a samurai sword, you're not going to be able to survive being hit more than once or twice. You know, if you do a right hit, hit him right through the gut, you're going to KO them and you're going to win and pixely blood's going to fly out everywhere. Um, and so there was no health bars in this game. The way you won is by literally just killing your opponent, which... You know, you, it was shown by the animations and, you know, if you hit a certain arm, the arm would, could go limp or be, you know, cut off in a certain way. And so you really were just kind of dismantling your opponent, playing this kind of tricky rock, paper, scissors game of trying to really read the opponent. Um, it's not a reckless game. When you think of Street Fighter, you know, all these other crazy Capcom it's not fighting a bu- games. not a button masher. Exactly. You cannot button mash and be successful <laughs> in this game. You have to be very, very patient and kind of read your opponent like a... Like a complicated strategy yeah. game almost. That sounds, I mean, that sounds really ahead of its time. Kind of some of that stuff you were talking about, like the arms and body parts kind of going limp and mm-hmm. thinking about having to kill someone in a certain way and, and all of that stuff. That sounds like stuff we might be talking about today. And, you know, this was back 20 years ago in 1997. Yeah. So. And just the fact that they shipped a fighting game with no health bars, which had never really been done um, since fighting games were created, was uh, kind of a, a big move that they did there. Um 1999, a fighting game that I know you're very familiar with, Nathan. <laughs> Super Smash Brothers for the N64 is released. And if you don't know the story behind Smash 64, it is really cool. Um, because basically, Masaru Sakurai, who created the Kirby series, um, that's pretty much all he had done at this point. He wanted to make a four-player fighting game. And he knew that you know Power Stone was already out in the Dreamcast. There was already kind of four-player party platformer... Uh, platformer fighters there but he basically really liked this idea and so he made his own tech demo didn't get permission from nintendo he had dk fox samus and mario all fighting um in this smash bros prototype showed it to them and nintendo instead of getting mad and like firing him said we love it please make the full game and so he made this game and it was really revolutionary for really being you know a four-player fighter that really you could play anywhere it was wasn't really about showboating it wasn't about you know, smack talking, proving who was the best, you know, fighter like it was in Street Fighter and all these other one-on-one games. It was really just about getting all your friends together, messing around, having fun in, in Smash Bros. This was, I think, the first technically fighting game I ever really played more than 10 minutes. <laughs> nice. Um, I remember my friend got this game for his N64, I think it pretty, pretty closely after release. Um, and before it came out, we would play, like, a lot of Mario Kart 64 together. We played through a fair amount of, like, single-player games together. And after Smash 64 came out, we didn't, like, play anything except for Smash. <laughs> that's like, all you played. That's all we played. <laughs> We'd always play 20 stock on Hyrule Castle. <laughs> and yeah. we'd play for, like, an hour just fighting each, fighting it out. Um, and that's such a... The thing I really like about Smash, and especially about this Smash is just the fact that it wasn't related to health bars. It was more about... Mm. It was about getting up your pro, your opponent's percentage and then kind of launching them off the screen, which I don't know if that was a completely unique idea at the time. I don't know the history it, well enough, but it was completely different from anything I had ever seen. Yeah. And I, I've never even really thought of it as a fighting game because it, it's so unique and so different. Yeah. And the different items you could get really added into it, especially kind of... A, this was when I was... I think I was about 9 or 10 or something like that. So I was a younger kid. And, like, the the sword, like, the basically lightsaber that wasn't a lightsaber that you could get in there, and the Pokeball, mm-hmm. um, and all the different items um, that kind of added into the, kind of the fun party nature of it, um, really mixed it up as well. Yeah, and, you know, the, the cool thing about Smash Bros. is it really gave you a lot of customization to how you wanted to play that game. You could, you know, do anywhere between two and four players. Like you said, there's tons of different items that you could use. There was different stages that totally changed the way that you played. I mean, just kind of seeing a fun crossover with all these different characters and that the, the game really kind of found that perfect balance between cartoon violence and, you know, fighting brutally. You know, you didn't want to have health bars. You didn't want Mario literally dying. But if he gets yeah. knocked off the stage and KO'd, Nintendo's okay with it. So finding a way to make that work and make it accessible to anyone is really where that game um, kind of shined. Um, so also released in 1999 um, was the original Soul Calibur. It originally came out in arcades, uh, ported to Dreamcast uh, the next year. And the Dreamcast version is actually the highest reviewed uh, fighting game of all time. It sits at 98% on Metacritic. I think it's wow no- number seven all time, if you, you count all the reviews. Pretty much perfect scores all across the board. 
Um, and Soul Calibur really was weapon-based fighting perfected. Um, took everything, you know, Samurai Showdown, Bushido Blade, these other games did well. And kind of put it into this 3D fighter where you have this space. It was very, very polished. All 3D fighters before this um, did not look very good. They didn't have very good textures. The models didn't look good. It wasn't exciting or fun to watch. Um, or it may have been exciting or fun to watch, but it didn't like look as good, I guess I'm yeah. trying to say. Yeah. Um, and so this Soul Copper was very, very polished. It was one of the best looking games when it came out, um, which was unusual for a fighting game. And you know, you can knock your opponents out of the arena. There was a there was some story and lore kind of written into the game, you know, that you could you could kind of experience through the the crazy announcer and stuff like that. And um, it really had really interesting characters. There's a lot of different characters that all had their own fighting styles as well. And um, since then, the the series has gone on and kind of kept that that core tenet, but added some different cool tweaks. You know, the second one had Link from Legend of Zelda in it for the it's GameCube, the GameCube version. version. Um, you know, they put some Star Wars characters in Mario Party or Mario, Mario Party in Soul Calibur Four. Um, and so they've they've kind of always kept the core tenets, but kind of added in some fun features. I know the new ones have customizable. You can create your own characters. I loved doing that in the. Soul Calibur 4 and 5, so... Soul, Soul Calibur, I think, is my favorite fighting game franchise, not counting Smash Brothers. Um, yeah, I played Soul you're really Calibur. good at it. I, know. I played Soul Calibur 2, like, a ton um, on GameCube, and that game, I the fact that you can knock people out of the arena kind of gives you a chance. Like, even if your health is really low, you're like, oh, if I can get them over the edge, I can mm-hmm. kind of make a comeback, and I don't necessarily have to just combo my way to it. I can... Um, so it kind of gives... Um, you always have the hope of being able to beat your comeback from anything... And beat your opponent. And I don't know, I, I really like the style. I remember Soul Calibur 2 at least kind of had a really good like single player story mode yeah. um, to play through that kind of mixed in all the characters and told at least an interesting, semi-decent tale compared to a lot of fighting games where basically it's yeah. just kind of, there's nothing there. You're just exactly. playing random matches. There's not a lot of single player content in fighting games up at this point. It's yeah. pretty much just versus. Um, so Soul Calibur definitely, you know, a great game. It came out in 1999. Uh, we have a few more titles here that we just wanted to mention. Um, 2000, the year next, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, A New Age of Heroes, is released. And this is, maybe to this day, still perhaps the most outrageous fighting game of all time. There's 56 different fighters in this game, you know, ranging from, you know, the Incredible Hulk and Sentinels and these huge, like, you know, crazy creatures down to, like, Servebot and like Roll from Mega Man. <laughs> They're just like these hilarious characters that are just really, really tiny. And so there's just a crazy, crazy cast of characters. It's a really fun mashup because they took, you know, all your favorite Marvel characters, put them together with all your favorite Street Fighter and Marvel or Capcom characters. And they made a, almost yearly iterations of this kind of mashup series. They made a X Men fighting game. They made, you know, kind of a Marvel versus X Men fighting game. They made. You know, all these kind of different iterations, but this was kind of where the series really kind of peaked and had so many fighters that had three players that you could choose instead of just two. So you're choosing three different fighters that you're tag teaming. So it made every single battle feel very, very unique. You know, it wasn't just, okay, let's do Ryu versus Ken. Okay, now we're going to do Ken versus Dalsum. Now we're going to do E Honda versus Chun Li. Now we're choosing, we we'll, might have a new six players every single time that we play this match. This was, was this maybe the biggest roster to date when it came out because i know back then Mm -hmm. like fighting games maybe had like 12 to 14 characters like the rosters weren't that big they've gotten bigger the further we've gone along and developers have added needed to add new characters new new reasons for you to play the game and buy the game um but back then the rosters won't weren't very big so the fact that there's 56 fighters is just kind of crazy especially for the time it was released in yeah and you know there you could fight three characters at a time tag teaming in and out and the, the cool part is it really embraced that, hey, in a time where 3D fighters were the rage, you know, Soul Calibur and Smash Bros, all these other, you know, 3D fighting games were really, really popular, saying, hey, you can make a 2D-based um, fighting game that's still really, really solid and feels good and is fun to play. And because, you know, all the visuals were hand-drawn, really beautiful hand-drawn graphics, and they overlaid them on 3D, like, backgrounds. And so the characters really kind of popped out, which I thought was a really cool art style. It has this ridiculous jazz music that has just kind of lived on in the hearts of all of its fans. And um, this was, it has a special place in my heart because uh, this was the first game that, fighting game that I played online. I picked it up 
when they re-released it for the Xbox 360 in 2008, I believe. And uh, that's when I realized that there were many, many people in the world who were way better than me at fighting games. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got wrecked almost every time I went online in that match uh, or in that game. But um, really, really solid game. And um, I think one of the one of the highlights in that franchise, um, you know, since then, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite just came out today. Marvel vs. Capcom 3 um, was good, but there wasn't as many characters. And they kind of went away from the hand-drawn style that a lot of people liked. Um, but yeah. Um, the last big game we did want to talk about um, was returning 2001 Super Smash Bros. Melee was released. Um, just a, you know, two short years after the N64 uh, one was released. And this had you know that big Nintendo I- icons on the game. They added villains playable for the really the first time. Bowser and Ganondorf. Um, Mewtwo even if you consider him a, a villain. Um, and then the thing that really made this game unique as a fighting game was there was really a lot of lot to do in this game. There was a lot of single player content. There was a whole adventure mode where you went through you know the Mushroom Kingdom and um, Hyrule in different areas. Um, there was over I think 250 trophies to collect in the game. There was unique break the target stages for every single character. Um, There's just a, really a lot to do in this game while still retaining the core tenets of Smash Bros. of being that fun customizable four player. Uh, platform fighter game yeah i i didn't actually play melee as much as i played the original because Mm. i didn't have a gamecube so i played it a little bit and i played it kind of later in life um but initially i still played i I think i'm better at smash 64 definitely than i am at melee (laughs) melee is so much different it's so much faster and there's all those kind of mechanics that sakurai is like those weren't really supposed to be used in the game that yeah were left in the game that obviously was before patching so they couldn't patch them out um that has kind of made melee this game that people still competitively play 16 years later yeah the fact that it's still one of the most popular games in the competitive scene where most games are lucky if they have a five to ten year run in the competitive scene um because those mechanics weren't originally intended like you said and people found ways to abuse and exploit it to just do these crazy things and that's why i think it's such a heavy spectator fighting game sport is because these top players can just do these crazy ridiculous things that you can never even dream of doing with a controller. It just is so impressive and crazy to watch. Yeah. Um, and so Smash Bros. Melee is definitely still one of those iconic, iconic fighting games that really kind of brought, brought that series into uh, the competitive scene. Um, and, you know, since then, you know, we haven't gotten a lot of new fighting games. Most fighting games have been, you know, basically iterations. You know, we've gotten more Smash Bros. games, more Street Fighter. Street Fighter kind of died for a while, and it came back yeah. to Street Fighter Four, um, which did really, really well. Then Street Fighter Five is out now. Um, the Injustice games, Mortal Kombat, are both selling really well as well. And so we're kind of in a, almost a renaissance of video game fighting games because we have all these franchises that have kind of been rebirthed and remade and have really solid mechanics. They look really, really nice. Um, and so... Really, that this is kind of where the history of fighting games have come from. There haven't been a lot of new things added, you know, post melee, in my opinion. But like know, new mechanics, and new stuff mechanics. Like There's exactly. been different series and games like uh, Zeno Guilty Gear, Guilty Gear, um, and Skullgirls, you know, Rivals Justice, of Aether. Yeah. Um, so there's been a few new franchises, but really, these games that we talked about today are really where the franchises that we still are playing today really kind of got their start. And it's just, I think really interesting to see how they kind of all built off each other. You know, you look at Mario and Sonic and Crash and then the history of platformers, they're kind of all over the place, but you know, fighting games, they've pulled so much and tweaked and refined and added new things to to each, you know, different series that comes out. I think it just makes it pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely. I I want a new um, Soul Calibur game. I don't think they've made one. On the new consoles, yeah. Yeah, Soul Calibur so, Five came out on 360 PS3. I remember, yeah. so, so that'd be cool for that. Even, even just a re-release of, of Soul Calibur Two. Yeah, I just think. put Soul Calibur Two <laughs> out on the Switch and let me play as Link again, and oh, that'd be an easy sell. That'd be an easy sell. I totally buy that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let us know uh, what what do you think the most influential fighting game is of all time? Is it one one that we talked about in the show? Is there one that perhaps we missed? Uh, let us know on our Twitter. Um, so that concludes, you know, our main segment of the show today. Um, as always, we like to kind of leave you with what we're playing. Um, with the PS4 Pro, I did want to try out Horizon Zero Dawn, which um, I actually don't own, so I'm borrowing it from Nathan here. And 
I am just kind of going through it, and I realized I completed, I think, 84% of that game. So I'm just going through and trying to finish that 16% right now. It's kind of a, a chill game that I can play, you know, late at night and just kind of run around, pick up some collectibles and um, stuff like that. And so I, I really enjoyed the beauty and the artwork in that game. Yeah, like that the, game, it's the, not the a game where you awesome. don't necessarily want to run around it because there's so many different cool moments and that game is just so visually stunning and especially with kind of mm. the sunsets and the vistas and stuff like that. Oh yeah. It's awesome. I, I only posted one fit photo. I restrained myself. I didn't spam Twitter with photos. Oh gosh. I didn't post one though. So uh, <laughs> you can check well, that out. Well, you know, we're waiting a month and then we'll be inundated with Super Mario Odyssey photos. I'm it's sure. true. It's true. I will not hold back then. But uh, other than that, really just still playing some Destiny 2. We did not get a chance to do the raid this weekend. Sadly. Um, hopefully we'll be able to do that in the next week or two so we can bring you some impressions because you know that's really the big end game to destiny 2 i feel like i've i'm at like nine or 284 for my light levels somewhere around there which i think 300 is around the cap and so i'm pretty much almost to max power in the game i feel like i've done most of the activities in the game at least once Mm -hmm. um but i haven't done the raid yet and so i really want to try the raid so i can kind of give my full final impression on the destiny 2 package yeah i agree with that but i i gotta give props to bungie for being able to kind of allow those players who maybe didn't want to do the raid or couldn't do the raid because it's so hard to find a full fire team of six players to be able to do it to have other activities available where you can kind of level your character up and get your yeah that that is true didn't think um, about that close to max max level yeah, Vanilla Even Destiny. Without, without. The Vanilla only... Destiny, the only way to do it was through the raid, and you had to get this fire team together. There was no other way to progress. Um, yeah, or and you could only play the raid. You, you'd only get rewards for one one raid a week, and so you'd have to do your weekly raid, hope you get the right drop. If you don't, sorry, you don't get to level up. You have to wait till next week. And yeah. so there are a lot of different avenues, which is great um, for sure. I did play a few rounds of Trials uh, with, with some people, which is kind of the the competitive PvP uh, endgame to Destiny. And I really like the changes they made to it. Um, every character gets their own intro now, and so like it'll show your character doing a crazy emote, and it'll show all their equipped weapons. And you know if you win one win, you get to go to the new social space. So it does make it feel a lot more accessible and open to anyone, not just you know that top 5% streamer audience of Destiny. And so um, that's why cool. I'm looking forward to hopefully trying trying that a little bit more with some some friends of the show uh, later this week sweet yeah um my list is similar i have been playing a lot of destiny 2 as well um still really enjoying i finally kind of hit the soft cap of a 265 power level so i've been going through and doing the different weekly um kind of weekly quest that it gives you to be able to level your character beyond that yeah because there's certain activities that will give you like significantly higher gear and so Exactly. Popping out those guys. Um, so I'm doing that. I need to have some exotic quests that I need to that I'm ready to start doing. Um, I was kind of holding off until I got to 265, so those those weapons would drop higher. Yep. Um, but the other thing I've been playing is I uh, picked up the new NBA 2K18. I picked it up on Switch. Um, nice. I know there's there's kind of there was kind of a lot of controversy before it came out because the um, the file size for it was so big and it required you to have a micro SD card and kind of all this outcry. Um, as you guys know, if you listen to the podcast at all, I love this franchise. I love NBA 2K. I was excited to be able to have it um, on a handheld console where I could play it wherever I wanted. Um, I haven't. There's after the game has come out. There's been kind of this issue of um, saves getting corrupted and stuff like that. Luckily, I haven't personally run into that, but definitely not not a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> kind of makes makes me a little bit worried. Hopefully, so. you can say the same next week. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> and it gets patched uh, soon. The developer says they're working on a patch, but. For some reason, Nintendo is crazy with letting developers release patches and stuff like that. So yeah, we'll see what yeah, that actually drops. I got to play a game of it with you. Yeah. We played most of the game in handheld mode. And for playing single Joy-Con on a little tiny screen, it ran surprisingly well. Like it, I feel like it looked, looked fine. We were able to play. It probably wasn't as optimal as using you know a full Pro Controller. Yeah. Um, but it still worked well, and I, I feel like it could could be a fun game to, yeah. to play You know, with people who yeah. like that franchise when you're... Yeah. Out and about. Overall, the gameplay feels really good, um, really solid. It is only 30 frames per second, but it's using the same engine as the PS4 and Xbox One mm-hmm. version. And the game looks like, especially the character models, look really good for um, being on the Nintendo Switch compared to like the PS4 and the Xbox One. Um, so, really enjoying it so far. Um, I haven't probably only put like four or five hours into it. Like, I haven't played it a lot, so I'm excited to kind of jump, more, dive in and. Um, bring you some more impressions as we go along. I know early some people are saying the my player is 
very they really want you to buy use real money to push buy, push the microtransactions buy, huh? a virtual currency in that game so we'll see what that ends up looking like but yeah that game also came out full release today um on all every console i think so gotcha yeah very cool well that about wraps up our show here this uh week uh we do have a special announcement about tomorrow though uh we can't tell you yet but we were uh lucky enough to be able to play um, an upcoming uh, Nintendo Switch game, and we captured some footage, and we're going to be posting that on our YouTube channel um, tomorrow. So we'll post the links on our Twitter. You can watch some videos there, and uh, we'll give you our full impressions um, next week. But yeah, definitely look out for that. Um, it's uh, it's pretty exciting. We, we've been, uh, been playing a fun game here. So um, we will go ahead and leave you with... The clock stage theme from Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Enjoy those jazzy piano blues, people. Can't believe this is the fight.